Hey, hello, hello. Hello, Christian. How's it going, Christian? Ah, it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Carry On himself. Mr. Carry On himself. <laughs> I just want to clear this up for anybody who will be listening to this. Tell me how you found me. Yeah. Um, you know, we all have that point in our life where you kind of just Google yourself. This is what comes up, right? Um, so for me, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm planning on applying to business schools in the next couple of years. So I'm like, I just wonder what's out there when people Google me and stuff. So I see uh, this guy that was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and probably, I don't know, Part, correct me if I got the name of your show wrong, but a whole bunch of game shows. I'm like, oh, this guy's interesting. Not, not a bad person to come up. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I come across a podcast. And I'm like, oh, wow, it's actually pretty cool. So I actually tuned into like the last episode. I listened to about like half of it. And I'm like, wow, it's actually pretty cool. So I was like, you know what? Let me just email this dude, see what's going on, and help out my uh, fellow Christian carry on. So he probably needs a guest or something. <laughs> <laughs> there are only so many are. of us in the world you know that i because i google yeah. my name sometimes too and usually because because i've done a couple of things and i've written some stuff and i have a i'm active like on twitter and things usually i'm the mm -hmm. only one that comes up but if you if you go forward a couple of pages there are other ones there's a famous like french film director named christian carey mm -hmm. i have no relation to and I've, i know nothing about him other than that he has my name so that's why you were yeah. googling yourself because you're applying to like schools and stuff yeah, yeah. In the next couple of years, right? So I, I don't know, you just randomly, you know, the brain gets you curious and you go down a rabbit hole. So I went through a rabbit hole of like my name. So yeah, I came across that French guy too. It made me wonder kind of like the origin of the name, which is always kind of interesting, right? Like even if we don't know each other, deep, deep down, someone has to be related to like us, right? Like maybe, there has to be a connection somehow. Maybe like in time for Thanksgiving, we can get all the Christian Carians together and have like a dinner or something. <laughs> Yeah, there's actually one in the East Coast. There's another one got his NBA at Cornell recently. So, it's, shout out to him. And you're in New York, you said, right? Yeah, I'm in Los Angeles right now. I grew up in New York, but I'm in Los Angeles. Uh, so, got yeah. you. And and what are you doing while you apply to school? Like, what's your occupation? Yeah, I'm currently a consultant for a company called LEK. And, um, yeah, so I've kind of been in consulting since I left undergrad. So, it's, just, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of a lot of like research and stuff like that and i can explain it either like the cool way or like the down to earth so you can actually understand so i don't know Ex you know what explain it that. to me assume i don't know <laughs> anything about what you do because i don't explain it to me yeah. however you know in... i'll break it up into two parts right because i know people sometimes use a whole bunch of industry jargon to kind of like boost the ego and all that stuff but uh, on a day-to-day -day, what i do i just do a bunch of research on google and other like research reports um, like let's say we're doing a research on Spotify and I just kind of go ahead and look at how the music industry is doing and how that's going on. And then I just put my findings on Excel and have an hypothesis and kind of like test that and then put it on PowerPoint. So that's kind of on a day with that, what that is. But on a high level, what I do to help companies make uh, the right investments as they're doing that or if they're making like a business decision 
like let's say you decide whether or not you want to like create an iPad just for kids, right? Then like we'll do research on whether or not that's that's um, the right thing to do. So companies will get in touch with somebody like you when they want some research done that has to do with what they provide, like Spotify, you said, for instance. Yeah, yeah. But so it, it, it wouldn't be with me directly. I'm not in that point of my career, right? But it'll be kind of like the top guys at the firm. And then I'll just be like, you know, one of the, the workers there. So, okay, okay. So it's a team. Yeah, effort. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a big team effort. Yeah. And how mm-hmm. big is that team? Um, it depends. So every project, like the number of people change, like uh, my current team is about seven, eight. Sometimes you have like a lean team where it's like three, four. So you're just constantly rotating projects, right? Like um, this project I'm on is like five, six weeks and then the next one will probably be, I don't, I don't even know what it's going to be. But it, so that's what's kind of cool about it. It's that you're always working on something new. Well, that sounds exciting, too, in that it's always a different adventure. Like, I'm a hotel manager, and that's one of the things I like about my job is that, like, every day is different. Every day is a challenge, but every day is a different type of challenge. I don't know that I could survive knowing what I'm going to do every day. You know what I mean? Like, professionally, I don't know (laughs) that I could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a good – and not just, like, work aside, but I I think that's kind of what we're wired to be as humans, right? Like, we want to go into a day and – use our brain right like we we have this advanced developed brain that developed over like so many years for a reason to solve these issues in general or solve issues like that at its core well that's true but you know what i feel like there are some people too that thrive Mm -hmm. in uh regularity in in predictability you know what i mean there are some people and i can't wrap my head around it because i've never been that type of person but there are people that can just do the same thing day in day out and like take pride in it you know what i mean and you know it's yeah. pride in whatever you do but at the same time i don't know that i have the stamina for you know for that i need i need something new every day i need a new adventure every day <laughs> yeah that makes and yeah that makes sense too right there's some safety there too like a safety component of like knowing that you're doing what you do every day and and you're comfortable in that field so um so for you kind of what's it been like starting starting the podcast up and, and even like other adventures you have well, the podcast really is the thing that I do outside of my job that makes me feel okay. creatively fulfilled. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I've been in hotels for seven years, right? So this will mm-hmm. be, yeah, this will be my seventh year. And I was working uh, when COVID hit. So during lockdown, um, I, I worked at a hotel for a little bit, but then I got sent home because nobody knew what the hospitality industry was going to do. And it was just, we were just making up the rules as we went along. So I was working from home for a bit. I was writing training documents and, you know, I've always wanted to work in broadcasting. And so okay. when I was home, I sensed this opportunity to do it the way I would want to do it, you know, mm-hmm. instead of auditioning and applying and hoping somebody likes what I do enough that they'll hire me and, you know, leaving that decision to somebody else i decided to take it into my hands and do my own thing so i went on amazon i bought a box of soundproof foam i bought a microphone i said i took a closet upstairs i said this closet is going to be my studio and i hooked it up and now we're about 80 episodes in i've talked to people from 30 different countries just about every state i've talked to people from like all walks of life and it's it's unbelievable and i was able to do it on my own terms so like in terms of the lockdown that's been my biggest accomplishment and that's yeah. And every episode of this is a different adventure. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I, I so and in the midst of my googling, I saw that you you had you almost had the opportunity to to host HQ. 
Yeah. You know, it's funny. In all the time I've done the show, I haven't talked about that on here yet. There was a period, and I think it was right around the time, like it was right before they had shut down. Because at some point, it just wasn't as popular as it used to be. Like my friends and I used to play HQ, and that's a trivia app where they used to go live every night. And it was like a Mm -hmm. live, you know, game show. Um, My friends and I used to play every night, and I had a lot of friends. Yeah. They made a lot of money on those games. And so they were hiring for a new host for a different like a different type of game. Like it was under the same name, but it was just it was just a different type of game. And I think it had yeah. something to do with like pictures rather than like actual questions, whatever. So I applied, you know, because that's always been my nature. If I see something that I want to do, I'll just ask if I can do it. And if they say no, whatever. But if they say yes, then cool, you know. So mm-hmm. I put the application in. I sent a couple of headshots and stuff. It was like the following Monday, I got a reply, and it was a script. And they said, set up a camera. And, ooh, excuse me, I burped in the microphone. Fuck it. it I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, they said, set up your camera, read this script, and send us the video. So I did mm-hmm. it. I did, it was like 15 minutes long, and I had a lot of fun with it. And I was that close. And I think they either went with somebody else or just decided to not do it at all because it was only a couple months later that uh, they had shut the thing down. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was one of the moments in my life where I've come closest to, like, the thing yeah. that I want to do with my life, you know? Very yeah. surreal. Yeah, I can imagine. So I feel like, you know, just reading the article that you've written, right? I saw you also write. And then I watched the video of that episode and you describing your um, auditioning experience. Like you you keep this good energy of like high intense, like I don't know how to explain it, but it's like high energy, fun. And, and like, I feel like you live your life in that way. Like in that video, you were just screaming like, yeah, let's go. I got to answer right. And I was just laughing to myself like, holy shit, I would never be able to do that. So like, kind of walk me through, where does that come from? So that particular energy, and I guess you're talking about the game show videos, right? Like the Just like the, the game show videos on. and just how you live your life. Even in your articles, I see like a comedic high spirit. And like, you know, you're telling me when you were auditioning, you were like, I'm going to be fun. It's going to be myself. So just interested in that. Well, the thing about that type of energy is at least from my personal experience, it comes from being raised by that type of entertainment. Like when mm-hmm. I was younger, and I've, I've, I've talked about this on the show a couple times, but um, my father mm-hmm. was a high school art teacher. And mm-hmm. so he was out from nine to five every day. And so before I started going to school, I was home with my mom all day. And my mom used to, you know, do the chores, hang out in the house, watch TV. And TV back in the early 90s during the day was either talk shows or game shows. And my mom loves puzzles and loves like word games and, you know, using her brain. She just loves that kind of stuff. And so uh-huh. that's what I grew up watching. And so I not only got this appreciation for like, puzzles and games and questions and knowledge and stuff but i started watching the shows themselves and i started watching the people that were on the shows and the people that were hosting Mm -hmm. it and how they dressed and how they talked and you know for better or worse that shaped a lot of what i consider to be my personality like i've always wanted to like that right there is the ultimate dream like i've always wanted to work in that field and so you know, as you get older, you think about the thing that you want to do with your life and you wonder if there are ways that you can apply the skills of that dream to other interests. Mm-hmm. 
And so hospitality drew me in because I got this opportunity to dress nice and sort of go to work and present myself with a little bit of dignity and talk (laughs) to people from like all over the world and give out free stuff once in a while. And somehow I just find a connection there. I said, this is satisfying that need that I've had my whole life to, I, I, I wouldn't say be the center of attention. At one point I did want to be, I don't know, I don't know how true that is for my life these days, but, um, There was just a connection there. There was something about it. And so that yeah. energy just comes from being raised on the shit, I'll be honest with you. And it just <laughs> comes from just, just you know, I've had a lot of opportunities in my life to do what I love to do. You know, yeah. um, a lot of people would be thrilled for the rest of their life if they got on one game show. I've been on six. Like anything Holy after shit. this, like anything after this point is like. It's bonus. You know what I mean? Like I already got my opportunity and it shapes the way I look at opportunities as well. You know, Mm -hmm. not everything is going to be my moment. It's easy Mm -hmm. for, you know, especially when it comes to doing what you want to do. It's easy to feel like um, every moment that comes by is like, this is your shot. But like it has to be someone else's shot at some point. So, you know, the experiences that I've had have changed my outlook on that kind of thing. What did you want to be when you grew up? What was like your ultimate, ultimate goal? Sheesh. When I grew up, you asked me as a kid, I just wanted to be like Batman, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Every kid wanted to be Batman. Batman was the coolest. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Uh, In in a weird way, I probably subconsciously modeled my life in a weird way after him, right? Like, you know, I mean, we grew up in different ways, right? I'm I'm not a billionaire son. Probably the opposite of that. But, um, you know, this man is a successful businessman, right? He runs a whole bunch of industries. He's knowledgeable. He's like well known around town. People respect him, and he does a whole bunch of community service. Like that's <laughs> at the right. core. That's 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 cool as fuck. And, and and I feel like that right there is the essence of a role model, right? Like even though mm-hmm. Batman is a fictional character, like nobody's going to be Batman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you can take the core principles of that character and apply it to your everyday life. So you can be somebody who stands up for yeah. social justice, somebody who runs their own business, somebody who you know knows a lie when they hear it and it prioritizes mm-hmm. the truth. Like you can carry those things with you in everyday life. Yeah, yeah, and just mastering like the the human body, right? Man knows like every martial arts, and I mean he's fictional, right? But he's also kind of exercised that brain and is like, protected. So, um, I, in this way, I, I guess I've I've never even as a kid I didn't have like that career path or something specific where I could say I've always been passionate about. Like you know, some people grow up knowing that they want to be a vet or have a passion for animals. So I was just pretty chill. I was probably the boringest kid out there. Like, <laughs> yeah, I could be looking at all the family photos and everybody's smiling and I'm just there sitting like, what's up? Like, <laughs> well, what like, were you into right. when you were younger? Like, were you athletic? Were you into video games? Were you into, oh, like, what yeah. were you into? Yeah, yeah. I love sports. Um, wasn't the best athlete, uh, but I, I love video games as well. So, and I think it kind of like, that was a fun too, especially, uh, Growing up, like my friends played video games, and I think that really um, helped compete and um, that competitive part of me. Um, and you just kind of like build that bond with everyone. So, um, oh yeah, I'll say video games is pretty fun growing up. Like, so you were like a team player yeah. growing up, even. Yeah, yeah, I love working in teams, and um, I just like the camaraderie. Like, I mean, yeah, you could play like those single player games and stuff, but you know, it'll be fun. I'll play it just for the story and to kind of like learn the history or whatever. Like there's some games that actually have some like historical concepts to it, like an Assassin's Creed. 
but um i love playing the sports games right number one either like i'm we're going at each other and we get to like argue and see who's better and even then i don't, I don't really like talking like too much smack i like talking shit back right <laughs> right of course. so i don't i never started i never started i just always like to talk shit back all right so now you're talking shit but um but what i enjoy the most and <laughs> found the most addicting is like the team aspect to it like all right let's figure this thing out you know so uh yeah video games are cool though i mean nowadays i mean shit i think it's so everything in life is so addicting right i really think that we all suffer from some sort of addiction um and just manifest in different ways whether it's our cell phones or i don't know but video games now are like highly addictive compared to before i think before it was just an, it wasn't as monetized so um Oh, yeah, it's that's a bit it. More pure. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's not only the monetization, but I also feel like there is so much research and so much knowledge that goes into how to make an appealing game. You know what I mean? And so it's very easy to make an addictive game. Um, and then, yeah, you factor in, you know, the idea that people are paying real money to win at games now. And I mean, there's so many complaints in the video game industry about how, you know, pay to win and, 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 and microtransactions are killing the video game industry. But at the same time, it's making so much money yep. and the, you know, the, the right number of people that would need to stop participating in that section of the market. Like it's just not happening. So of course they're going to keep doing what makes them money. Exactly. Exactly. The same thing even with social media, right? Like Instagram and oh, Facebook. It's insane. It used to be about it's the love. Insane. Yo, it's all the algorithms now. Mm-hmm. It's, that's all it is and, that's all it is and it makes sense it makes sense like you know i think a hundred years ago the best and the brightest whatever that means but the brightest scholars they used to want to be like philosophers and political leaders and you know revolutionaries and things like that right and i think nowadays like the best and the brightest valedictorians people they want to work for instagram well that's so, true well you know instagram and and social media companies, they are the biggest influencers in people's lives these days. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, there are people that stand for change and there are people that, you know, uh, you could compare to the revolutionaries and the free thinkers of like years past. But at the same mm-hmm. time, you, you know, you want to get with a winning team. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's great, right? Like we have like, the smartest brains in America teaching us or, or finding ways to get us more data to our phone. And, you know, and it, once again, like, I, I mean, somebody could probably fact check us. Maybe it's just, we're just kind of like saying a theory, but that's what it feels like. Um, oh, well, no, definitely. But I also think there's strategy there in that, you know, Instagram is the tool. So if you do mm-hmm. want to be that type of person that enacts social change and that, you know, stands up yeah. for social justice, I mean, that's the place to go. You know, you want exactly. to work for the place that has the microphone that's and can true. broadcast to everybody. That's true. 100%. That is 100%. Are you addicted to your phone? I'm addicted as fuck to my phone. I cannot stop. <laughs> I cannot stop scroll. I cannot stop scrolling Reddit. I cannot stop scrolling Twitter. I don't even care <laughs> about anything on Twitter. I just I just can't stop. Yeah. Um, I, I've been battling it. Um, I've been off social media for some time. I might come back soon, but um, it helps. But, you know, I think addictions don't really 100% fade away. They just get replaced, right? It's about replacing it with something healthy. So I'm like, all right, cool. Now I'm off Instagram and Twitter, but now I'm on something else, you know? <laughs> or now I'm on the phone with one of my friends. And so it's, it's, it's a, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting battle. 
That is a good strategy, though. You replace the unhealthy habits with healthy habits. They say exactly. that whenever you feel like scrolling your phone, just like go eat a carrot from the fridge or something like that. That's a good one. That's you know what I mean? You see, yeah. Right. And, and, and you just and you just replace the behaviors. I'm terrible at it. I don't do that at all. But I know that that's what people say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, There's another one. I don't know. Have you, ever, have you ever heard of the app called Waking Up? Before? Waking Up? No, I haven't. Oh, yeah. I recommend it. So that's kind of one of the habits that I got after, like, taking a small hiatus during social media. So it's a meditation app, right? And everybody wants, nowadays wants to, like, you know, say, you should meditate. But this is an app that I think is really good for beginners, um, like myself, because I feel like in other apps that I've tried, you just kind of listen to a waterfall and breathe and you don't really know what's going on, right? But I feel like this dude does such a good job at really just telling you that it's okay to, like, your mind drifted away and all that stuff. But um, highly recommend it, though. I, I recommend an application for, like that for everybody. Um, it's You can even apply for a scholarship or partial scholarship if you don't think that you want to pay for it. But um, after a free trial, but um, yeah, I, anybody that's listening, 100,000% recommended. If you've ever thought about meditation or really want to get started, I will say try that app. Like I even have a little group chat going on, but we call it like the mental gym. And we all just check in with each other whether or not we uh, did our mental workout for the day. But things like that, I think really help um, nowadays to kind of keep us more human. That is so healthy. And one of the things that I'm really excited has come out of the past couple of years that we've all been through is this prioritization of mental health and emotional yeah. health and checking on people and checking on your friends and especially especially men checking on their male friends because that has had a stigma for so long. Um, you know, I, I, I am I am personally excited by that. And meditation for me was a game changer. I started meditating about three years ago and I do at least 10 minutes a day every day. I, nice. I aim for 20, but I do at least 10 a day every day. And it nice. is just it's been it's been a it's it's been a game changer it really has um just in terms of controlling my emotions and in terms mm -hmm. of just finding that finding that center up here you know what i mean yeah 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 100 so you, you kind of talked talk about especially amongst men right do you have siblings i know you have I, one but i'm not sure I, how much i i do i have a brother who's two years younger than me he lives in maryland his name is andrew Cool. So how often did you guys, I mean, everybody's bond is different, but how often did you guys actually talk about like, your emotional state growing up? Growing up, we didn't really talk about it a whole lot. And I think that that's because, I mean, it has to do with how you're raised as well, right? So, True. you know, my family never really prioritized speaking up about your feelings. Um, yeah. And, you know, it might get personal for a second here, but there was a lot of anger in the house. Whenever my dad was mm. in a bad mood, everybody was in a bad mood. And that just sort of guided the way the rest of the day was going to go. And it's, it felt unpredictable sometimes. Like, you know, he'd be upset about his job or upset about something that had nothing to do with us, but he would be upset. And it would, you know, the whole house would kind of change temperature. I think that once my brother and I got older and moved out and we strengthened our relationship away from home, like we became closer as adults, then we started realizing like, holy shit, we grew up like in an emotionally tumultuous household. And so now that we're both older and we're realizing that we carry these things with us, yeah, we check on each other a lot more as adults than we did, even as like young teenagers or teenagers, definitely. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy when you kind of reflect on your life because you think everything is normal growing up and then you're like, holy shit, I've actually been through a lot. 
<laughs> right, right. You sit there and think about it because when you're younger or when you're like when you're in the shit, normal is like just feels normal. Like what you're doing is normal, and you don't have a. It's like you don't have a like an outside perspective. You don't see what other yeah. people's normal is like. So all you know is you. And it hit home for me when I met my wife uh, mm-hmm. ten years ago, and we and we moved in together in 2012. And mm-hmm. I'm realizing that like a lot of behavior patterns and a lot of like uh, conversational patterns, argue like argument based patterns. A lot of the shit mm-hmm. that I learned from home is like you can't do that out here. You know what I mean? You could do yeah. that at home. But like for regular people, like that's not gonna cut it. Like you gotta you gotta change that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And and it's funny how even let's say if you were to go to that home right now, you'll feel all those emotions that you felt back then. It's like I don't know how it works, but like the, the human brain somehow kind of finds itself going into the conditioning that it was in that household. Like, you know, if you used to replicate that whole environment right now, you'll go back to being that kid. And it's oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, and you realize it when you go back to visit. When I go back yeah, to visit exactly. my parents, sometimes it's like I, yeah. feel like I feel like a kid in the house again. All of a sudden, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah, I exactly. leave the house, and it's like, remember David Blaine? Remember the magician David Blaine? Uh yeah. Okay, so he would like levitate, right? He would, mm-hmm. so he would levitate on the street. He would stand and he put his arms out and he would levitate. He'd be off the ground, and then he'd come down and he'd go, oh. And he breathed real deep, like he was like he was holding all that energy, and now he's like worn out. That's what I feel like when I leave my parents' house. <laughs> I feel like I've been holding myself up this whole time. Then I get out, I'm like, fuck, like I'm just, I gotta like let it out, you know? Yeah, yeah. Have you tried to break that, like kind of be like the self outside of the parents' house in your parents' house? You know, I try, but the thing is, I don't know how to describe it. I feel like in order for that to be successful both parties have to break it so i can walk Mm -hmm. in the house and feel like an adult and feel like i'm not a kid here anymore but if my parents still behave as though i'm their son and i'm their kid hanging out then it's 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 a little it's a little more difficult yeah 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 exactly yeah thing here is weird it's just weird right and especially like i don't know when when your world's mesh and let's say you're hanging out with a friend and they, they 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 come to your home and you're like, oh shit, like it's kind of weird. I'm like, feel like I'm navigating two parts of my personality. But you know, I, I, at some point, you kind of just realize a lot of these things, a lot of these obstacles are just in your head, right? So I'm like, fuck it, let me just be. Like, <laughs> well, that's true. And 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 I'll be honest with you, meditation helped me with that. Exactly. Yep. That idea that. It was like three years ago, and I was going through some bullshit at work, and I mm-hmm. just, I needed a change, and I ended up working at another hotel. But in that meantime, I started reading up on meditation. I started reading up on Buddhism, and not to any great extent. Like, I didn't convert to Buddhism or anything, but mm-hmm. there were just a lot of principles and a lot of lessons in Buddhism that resonated with me. And one right. of them was the idea that there's no such thing as, like, you being okay, like, mm-hmm. you are not okay, and I'm not okay, but it is okay. Like, the space around you, like, everything is okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, that just, and that was one of those things that just, like, it just hit real hard. That, like, it's easy to think of yourself as, like, oh, I'm not okay, but I'll be okay. I'm working on being okay. I'm putting, I'm putting work into growing, and I'm, you know, but at the same time, you got to give yourself credit for the growth that you have made. Like I'm a different person mm-hmm. than I was 10 years ago. I don't know about you. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I wouldn't know. Google. I wouldn't email you 10 years ago. <laughs> no, really. I, I, and honestly, I, I probably wouldn't even been doing the show 10 years ago. So yeah, exactly. See, 
is time and space, you know? <laughs> so what was your relationship like with your parents growing up? Yeah, so my, my parents, uh, my mom, she works in Arizona, my father, um, he's a janitor, but they used to work a lot. Um, so I kind of, you know, I'm pretty sure I saw them until about five, six, but I think after that, um, I feel like I was mostly parented by my brothers, to be honest, because my mom would come home like 10, 11. My father, to, to this day, I would think about it whenever I'm like working a lot. I'm like, geez, I can't believe this dude used to really um, leave the house before I wake up and get back home before after I go to sleep. Like, you know, I think he was a Batman, right? He was never there. But um, so uh, it was kind of like distant, but close at the same time. Um, so I think as an adult, how that translated is kind of like an utmost respect. But um, I've been working on improving that relationship on a personal level, because I feel like though I know them well, I don't really like 1000% know them. So over the last few years, um, I feel like I've been better at growing that relationship, especially during COVID. I think COVID really helped because I got to actually sit down and ask them and, you know, talk about different stories and stuff like that. Just because growing up, I honestly, like my parents are the parents that were never there in report card day, you know, and it helped them out. I did pretty good in school. So it made their life easier. And I felt like I was helping them out. Like, all right, let me just do good at school so y'all don't got to come. So like that, a teacher's like, all right, this kid, you're good. Like, show this to your mom. So, um, yeah, but it's a working relationship, right? And, and you know, I, I know part, I don't feel, you know, any kind of ill will towards that. Um, it's just, you know, you got to do what you got to do for survival, right? And I'm pretty sure this, sometimes I'm walking on the street and I see, like, a guy that's, like, 45 years old, Latino, looking tired i'm like shit that was my dad when i was growing up like you know he got a right. backpack on and he's just living life tired as fuck and you know it's, it's pretty humbling to be honest and it makes because me you hold wanna... respect hell yeah yeah because you hold and it makes you want to share everybody shit, the yeah. same mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah like yeah, everybody definitely. you gotta because you never know what people are going through to be honest and i think people are inherently kind of good so you know it's just the guy that's working security or the guy that's like you know, taking out the trash, right? He's he's trying to go back home somewhere to feed somebody, right? And their their kids are they could literally be like the future, right? So you never know who who they're building up at home. So. You never know. You never know what someone's going through. I'll mm -hmm. tell you something that um that brought that lesson home for me. It was a couple of years ago. My father-in-law um, was dying of prostate cancer, and he passed away at the end of November. And yeah. I remember the last couple months taking trips to the hospital to see him and we would try to go about our day as regularly as we could so like we weren't home having dinner but we were going out and getting fast food and eating in the car and eating in the little seating area like at the supermarket and stuff and i realized that like as we're going about these interactions like we're not being ourselves like mm -hmm. we're you can you know clearly something is going on with us and of course there was you know we were really stressed out and we were really tired and you know wondering what like what the fuck are we gonna do you know what i mean uh -huh. and um in that moment like i realized that like everybody in this store theoretically could have a dad in the hospital right now could have a mm -hmm. an in-law in the hospital right now and like yeah. you know it, it just i feel like i i at that from that point on i tried to develop a stronger sense of empathy where like uh -huh. yes you never know what's going on you never know somebody cuts me off in traffic yo maybe they're on their way somewhere maybe they're in a rush maybe they maybe yeah. you know what i mean maybe they're visiting somebody in the hospital like you never know yeah. you know what i mean and um 
Yeah, that's a big lesson, especially nowadays when people just people in general are so stressed out. Like, just a little empathy, I think, would go a long way. Yeah, yeah, this life thing is hard, man. It's hard. It's hard. Life is tough. It really it's is. Not the easiest thing. What What do you have in your life that you enjoy or that you take peace in when life feels really stressful? When life feels really difficult? What do you enjoy? Oh man, it's super simple, but I just enjoy laughing at things. <laughs> like um, uh-huh. with my friends, we just uh, some of my friends. We just kind of whenever the worst or the worst thing happens to us, and we call each other, and all of a sudden we're poking fun at the fact that like I don't know, I'm far away from home, and my metro card expired or something, you know. <laughs> and then like so, I think it's just really centering myself. So as far as if you're gonna ask that question in terms of like, what do I do when things are going bad and i want to escape i think that would be um let me see that's tough i mean i would say video games and sports but haven't done that too often but just going outside i guess um just going outside yeah, just I, I fresh my air, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah i try my best to kind of like just think about whatever's going on that's stressing me out and just thinking to myself all right like this matters but doesn't matter right you know like whatever like you know i'm, I'm grateful oh, yeah. that i'm alive so yeah you exercise perspective yeah yeah so i guess that's what i do <laughs> that listen that's good i i asked i asked somebody that question once uh for this show and their answer was they watch marathons of judge judy clips on youtube that's funny that's what they get lost in that's like that was like their guilty pleasure yeah yeah that's funny yeah i mean i listen to music a lot too but um yeah, I guess perspective is usually what I do. And I just kind of, I, and, and it could be annoying too. Like I can sometimes be that friend that will tell you like, well, on the bright side, you know, <laughs> but. Uh, right. But at the good. same time, it, it's good. It's good to have somebody like that around. There's, that's been um, one of these terms that I've heard recently, like over the past mm-hmm. couple of years, it comes up more and more the idea of toxic positivity. Oh, yeah. Where somebody's yeah. always there to say, oh, no, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And it's, you know, as a society, we have to normalize the idea that it's, it's maybe it's not going to be all right. Maybe this isn't going to turn out the way that you want it to turn out. But you have the strength to to endure it, to adapt, and mm-hmm. to, you know, to overcome it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When I first read that term, I was like, oh, shit, they're coming for me. <laughs> well, I, I used to do that. I used to do that too. I think I get it from my mom. But my mom was always like that. My mom was always like, "Oh, it'll be okay. Don't worry about it. Why are you stressed? Don't be stressed. Yeah. It'll be fine. It'll be fine." And then like the shit would not turn out fine. Like it wouldn't. It wouldn't go the way that I wanted it to go. And it's like that advice like doesn't. I love my mom so much, but that advice like doesn't help after yeah. a while. You know what I mean? Like it's okay for things to not turn out the way I want it to turn out. Not everything is going to happen that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then you know, if it doesn't turn out how you want it to go. Then the next step is it turned out the way that it should have went, so it's all good anyway. <laughs> In the end, it <laughs> so all works like out. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the end, it like all works out. Cycle. Christian, tell me about a situation. In your life, it could be recent. It could be not so recent. Tell me about a situation in your life when it didn't immediately turn out the way you wanted it to turn out, but later the shit worked out in the end. Hmm, it's a good question. Didn't turn out the way you wanted it to turn out. Okay, I would say when I first graduated from college, I wanted to go back to, I wanted to stay in Los Angeles because I went, I went to undergrad in Los Angeles. Okay. And, what did you study? Um, I studied business and music okay, industry. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, I wanted to stay in LA. And I remember 
I got in, so I was tough. Like I, I, I had a hard time finding that first job out of college, as we all do, right? And that's kind of the the experience. I think like the twenties is one of the hardest part of anyone's life, right? Um, especially oh, yeah. when you have expectations. Yeah, it's the toughest part. One of the toughest parts of life. I'm pretty sure there's other significant events. But um, to go back to the story. Yeah, so it was tough. I think I had a hard time finding that first job. So um, I really wanted to kind of just be one of those people that their junior year to have a job lined up, but I didn't, which is totally fine. And then, um, yeah, so my first offer was actually for like not in LA and it was in Chicago. And I was like, whoa, I'm definitely not trying to be at Chicago. And um, then I basically told them, hey, like, you know, this is not my first choice. And then they told me that there's an opening in New York. So I ended up going back to New York. But I don't know why. I just didn't really want to be back in New York. But, um, you know, I don't know. I just didn't want to be back at home yet. And I think once I got back home and a year after that was when COVID happened, it all made sense, you know. So I became super grateful that. And once again, it kind of sounds super like trivial, but. You know, in the scheme of things, grand scheme of things, I'm happy that 2000 and, you know, rest in peace, everybody died and everything. But just being able to have that experience of the pandemic at home, it felt right. Right. Um, oh, totally. It just felt totally. like the right thing and right place to be. And I was like, you know what? This really made everything make sense. Like, I'm so happy that I'm able to be here to help my parents with groceries and help with this and help with that um, during the pandemic. Right. And help out financially. Because imagine if I was in Los Angeles and like, you know, just knowing that my parents didn't have, you know, they got laid off and all that stuff and work wasn't happening. Um, and then right, I to be on the other side of the country and then exactly. like wish you were over there. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. So. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that happened, to be honest. So it, it just it felt right at that moment. So and it's one of those things where like I'm living in New York for like about a year. Like, all right, whatever. Like, I'm just accepting it. But when it all happened, it all went down um 100% I'm grateful that it went that way I try not to make myself feel bad for thinking of the lockdown in 2020 as a blessing because I do I think mm -hmm. that the ability especially like it was right after my father-in-law had passed away like just the ability to just stop and to stop waking up, going to work, coming home, going to bed, and just looping that over and over again. And to just take some time. I got to know my wife better. I got to know my friends better. Nice. I got to know our new apartment better. Like, it was... I, I try not to make myself feel bad about it because... Like you said, rest in peace to all the people that died. But at the same time, that blessing and that and and that tragedy don't have to, like, coexist. I feel like those are two separate issues. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, me enjoying... Like, like, me enjoying that period of silence didn't make other people die. Do you know what I mean? It, it, but I'm, sure. I, I, I'm, as a matter of fact, if you think about it, it probably saved more lives because we were all doing what we were supposed to do. We were staying home to stop the spread of it. So like, mm -hmm. that's true. You know, it, it, true. because I think it's easy sometimes to feel like, Oh, so many people got sick. So many people died. And I was, you know, I was home and like, it is very sad, but I, I, can't think of that time as anything other than a blessing. It was just unbelievable yeah. to be able to like stop and reset. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Like when you say you got to know your wife better, right? And you, you, you've been married for like what, 10 years? Married for five, but together for married 10, for yeah. Five, 10. Dang, I guess that's amazing, right? You could literally be next to the same person, then some, a significant event happens. Now you're getting to kind of unwrap a little bit more pieces of the layer of the onion or whatever. 
What, what oh, you yeah. learn? What, is there anything that you learned that just kind of stands out to you? One of the things I learned about my wife, her name is Kat, by the way. One of the things I mm -hmm. learned about Kat is how much she values uh, looking at the big picture mm -hmm. and how much she values not feeling rushed or anxious. So after mm -hmm. her father, after her father passed away, we were going through this shoebox of mm -hmm. kind of old memories, pictures, ticket stubs, that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. at the very bottom, there was a handwritten note, I guess when cat was really young mm -hmm. she had a dentist appointment and her dad was at work during the day and left handwritten instructions for her mom to bring it to the dentist so it was the bus times Damn. And it was the train it was the train time but she was on long island so it was mm -hmm. like the train times and all that and the bus times and then there was instruction like you know don't let her eat a big lunch give her a light lunch so that the whatever she's doing at the dentist will go smoothly and then mm -hmm. at the bottom it said Remember, you don't want Cat to feel rushed or anxious. That's crazy. And that guided how I deal with her and our relationship. Like that gave me it. It, it like gave me a new goal in yeah. a way. And yeah. you know, we and we really cherish that note. And I cherish it for like I guess my own reason now because I feel like that was a note from him to me for us going forward. Like you don't want her to feel rushed or anxious. Yeah. You know? Wow, that's that's pretty powerful. Like it's crazy how your personality sometimes doesn't at its core it doesn't change much. You know, I don't no, know what your it thoughts doesn't. are. Yeah, well, no, it's it's um again, it's all about it's all about how you were raised, and yeah. you know, for all the negative things I could say about the emotional health of the house where I grew up, I learned a lot from being home. I learned a lot from my dad. You know, I got my first ever PlayStation from my dad. He told nice. me if I learn how to tie a tie, he would buy me a PlayStation. <laughs> nice. and whenever i tie a tie i think of my i mean he's still alive he, he's living in connecticut but but whenever i tie a tie i think of him and i think of how he he taught me to do that you know and yeah. that's a skill that like when you're older you go you know and like you're and you're a man you're going for job interviews and stuff that's 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 a big one you know, yeah, you know how yeah. to tie a tie is like it makes you feel it makes you feel big yeah yeah i remember i learned how to tie a tie for high school my school had uniforms um, it wasn't a private school. It was like a regular private school. Just that in New York City, they they had like this initiative where all the big schools they started breaking it up. So like the fourth floor would be one school, the third floor would be another school. But um, so the, to differentiate between schools, our high school had you had to wear a uniform with a tie. So I spent so much hours on YouTube trying to figure that thing out, and then I finally figured it out, and then I realized that. It was like a full winter knot, and I'm like, damn, that one looks so much cooler. So then I thought, right, fuck it, like another three hours to figure it out. <laughs> that, but, but that's yeah. all right though, because it feels it it feels amazing at the end, doesn't it? To like to like have accomplished that. Oh yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. So and yeah, it was worth it. Like I, I don't know if nowadays I'll take three hours to learn how to do that, but I don't know. I think as a whole, everybody's attention span. We all want some instant gratification naturally because of our new world. So it was a different world back then. That's true, but I feel like the accomplishment of just learning how to do something to improve your personal yeah. appearance, like that, like the self-esteem boost is like mm -hmm. immeasurable. Yeah, 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 definitely. Like, you know, we, we all feel better after like we wash and exfoliate our face and stuff. We're like, damn, <laughs> makes a difference. <laughs> it, it, absolutely, it does. 
so uh, Christian, have you ever done a podcast like this before? Have you ever been on a podcast? No, it's my first time. This is your first time ever. First time ever. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big step. Yeah. That's a big step to put like to put yourself out there and speak for an hour with no prep. That's a big step. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I was a little bit nervous. Um, I get nervous always about like five minutes before. I'm like, shit, I'm really about to do this. But <laughs> oh, listen, me too. Me too. Even even for as long as I've been doing this, and as many people as I've talked to in my life, I five minutes before, I still get nervous. I absolutely. There's nothing, and I don't think there's any shame in that. I think that's a human thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little nerve nerve wracking, but uh, you know, I, I'm trying to live my life knowing that life is shortest but the longest thing that we have in life right in itself so you know there's no point in, i try to do my best to kind of like eliminate those barriers of like i wonder if that's weird so that's why i was you know what let me just do it just to do it right I, i'll get to say that we did it one day right so now generations to come in the future if my child ever googles and he sees there's some guy out there that was on you know all these game shows and stuff I'll say, yeah, we spoke once. <laughs> so, because <laughs> our amazing. name is unique. Our name is unique. Like, I've never, I've, I haven't met somebody with my last name other than my father or my, my, and my sibling. And, you know, to meet somebody with a combination of both, it's just funny. Right. So, like, and, I, and, and, and I thought about that too as, as this day got closer that we were going to meet and, and talk. I was like, we have to be related somehow. Yeah. We have sure. to be. So, you're, if you don't mind me saying, you're from the Bronx, right? Yeah, I'm from the Bronx, and my parents okay. are Ecuadorian. Ecuadorian, okay, okay. So my family, so I'm Puerto Rican. Um, cool. My my mom's side of the family is from the Bronx. My dad's side is from Queens, uh-huh. but my mom's maiden name is Kohlberg. 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 Yeah. My mom's is Vera. My dad is Carrion Castro, and then my mom is Vera Arriaga, I believe. So and you pronounce it Carrion when you like tell people your first and last name. Um, depends, but how does that be? But it, I know it's Carrion at the end of the day, you know. I try Same. To Do you speak Spanish? There. Yeah. Okay, I don't. Yeah. I, I I speak a little bit. I speak a little bit, but not but not fluently. And that's I've been I've been clown for that my whole young life that I didn't yeah, speak Spanish. But I'm pretty where sure. I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, listen, where I grew up in Connecticut was like, it was all Italians. It was all like, nobody spoke Spanish. And my parents wanted me to, I don't want to say fit in, but they wanted me to have a chance, you know, to make friends and be able to talk and stuff. Yeah. And, and so they just prioritize English, but yeah, I'm, I'm, so I'm learning. I learn all the time. Hey, you got to pick it up. I mean, you don't have to you pick know? it up, but it's just fun to try to pick it up. So I think your lineage comes probably from, I know the Bronx Borough president at one point, I forgot his first name, but he had oh, um, Adolfo. our last name. Yeah. Adolfo, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I feel like my dad told me something about him once that 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 we were related to him somehow. Ah, there it is. There it is. Yeah, one of my good friends is Puerto Rican. Um, I think somebody in his neighborhood also has our last name. So I guess like deep down the French dude (laughs) going back to the other French Christian carry on. The French folks that came to Latin America probably like parted the ways, one went to Puerto Rico and one went to like South America, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't really met much. So it's hard to... Have you done one of those DNA tests before? No, I haven't. You know why? Because my wife won't let me. She thinks I'll get framed for a murder if I send my DNA out. That's possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's possible. <laughs> she says, they don't need your information. I just said, no, I guess not. <laughs> well, no, I, no I haven't, though. I don't, don't do anything that makes a uh, cat anxious, right? 
No, that, that's exactly it. You see that? <laughs> you see that? Don't, don't make her feel rushed. If I'm going to get charged for murder, yeah. it'll happen. It'll happen years down the road. Let's not rush that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> have you done? Yeah. Have you done one? Have you done a DNA test? Yeah, I did one. Um, I had my fears about it, and then I, uh, uh, whatever. Like if they want me, they got me already. You know, I got my iPhone on me all the time. So uh, they. Uh, yeah, the, the results are cool. I have like forty percent like indigenous. I think like twenty, thirty European, another about like fifteen, twenty African. But it fluctuates. That's what's kind of cool about it. Like they, they I did twenty three me. They consistently, um, I guess, see from as they get more data, they update percentages of what's estimated to be your uh, background. Oh, so it could be different between tests. Uh, no, not between tests. Like they kind of keep your results, right? And then, like, as they get more data, they update your, your like, what they estimate your findings to be. Does that make sense? Oh, I understand what you're saying. Okay, that's yeah. really interesting. I, I, I yeah. wish, man, maybe one day I'll talk to her because I, I, I would really like to. I would really yeah. like to know like what I'm made up of. You know what I mean? I, I, nah, I've yeah, been telling yeah. people my whole life I'm I'm 100% Puerto Rican, but it can't be it can't be as as clear cut as that, right? 100%, right? Because Puerto Rican means that you have some European in you. By your last name, you got some European in you, you know? Well, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's crazy, right? And all those all those stories, I was reading how like um, traumatic experiences even like get passed down on, on your DNA, right? From even from a scientific level. So all those stories are a part of you, you know? You're, you're, you're a descendant of that European that went on a boat and said, all right, let's go to that side of the ocean and see what's out there. I want to provide for my family. So that's, 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 that's crazy, it, right? To think about. It makes the world feel so big, but so small at the same time, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at the same you know, time, that your lineage can go all the way back, but yep. it could be so small that two Christian Carrians can meet on the internet and have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Powered internet. It's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. So what are your plans for the coming year? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to achieve? Who do you want to meet? Yeah, the upcoming year. Um, so I'm studying, how, you know, so y'all studying for studying for the GMAT, right? To try to get into an MBA program. So um, I think at first I wanted to get that out the way as soon as possible. But just like with any long-term goal and things are difficult and um, everything is everything to some degree, right? So um you can't really rush things. So you kind of got to learn at your own pace and experience like the whole journey of learning at your own pace. So for this year, I think that's like the main focus. It's just getting a good score on that. And I don't want to rush it anymore. Or like think about, um, you know, uh, I want to enjoy my summer and all that stuff. I'm trying to just kind of have everything coalesce together. Um, so that's one thing. And then other than that, I would say, Hmm. Yeah, I, that's that's probably the main goal I have. Other than just saying I want to keep a good routine of the meditation and the working out and being present. So that's kind of my outlook for 2021. And I also let my hair grow. So, so I actually haven't cut my hair since um, the, the beginning of COVID, like soon as lockdown happened. So wow, it's like yeah, it's like super long. So part of my goals is to, and once again, it's the everyday journey is learning how to maintain my scalp and my hair so it looks healthy and that thing is so hard like i don't know how a woman and everyone who has hair long their whole life 
dealt with this at a young age i'm like damn like no i couldn't do it i had when i was in when i was in college because like my hair grows out curly so i Mm -hmm. had long curly hair when i was in college and i i just could not take care of it properly i ended up with like one big ass dreadlock on the back of my head (laughs) and that shit would not come out and i eventually (laughs) shaved my head for some charity um Mm-hmm. For some cancer charity or whatever, but um, yeah, that was a that was a pain in the ass having long hair like that. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's so tough. It's so tough. You know, it looked cool for a minute, but like, that's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I feel I feel like I'm going tapping into my uh, indigenous roots to some degree by having it long, and it's also kind of funny because my job is predominantly like white. And I have a joy in just going into the call and having like long hair as a Latino, and it's like, wow, this guy. Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. They have not. They have not. They Good. Have not at Good. All. They Good. have not Good. at all. But I, I feel like that's like my form of advocacy in a weird way. You know, making you feel a little bit uncomfortable with my natural appearance. But I'm still producing good work, so you can't do anything about it. So that's my perspective. I love it. So. I love it. It's 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 resistance through beauty, right? <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so and it's like an unspoken thing you know <laughs> yeah you know? definitely no i know what you mean because natural i mean natural hair is beautiful mm-hmm. yeah 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 exactly exactly well how about you any anything that you have coming up or any goals my goal right now like you, I want to keep up with the meditation. I want to keep up with my creative output. I want to do one of these a week again. I, I took a break for the holidays, but I want to get back in the swing of it. And I want to start meeting people. And mm-hmm. I just, um, you know, I, I just, I, I want more for myself creatively. Okay. Um, you know, I, um, one of the big victories I felt I achieved last year for myself was I, I beat depression. I, nice. I had my therapist tell me, you do not have to come here anymore. It seems like you have it under control. And God, I've, been riding the, I've been riding the wave of that for months. And I want to keep yeah. that up because now that I have, I have like a newfound sort of energy and I yeah. feel like I can do anything. And so I yeah. want to do as much as I can. I want to create as much as I can. So that's going forward for this year. That's my goal. And of course, working on my, like working on my, on my personal relationships, working on the way I manage my emotions and the way that I manage, you know, intrusive thoughts and things like that that's always a goal but that's yeah. that's the plan for this coming year is just a lot of a lot of self-improvement and growth and just continuing to ride the wave of that success yeah no that's powerful that's powerful i think i think the strongest battles are, are within um shit you know battling depression that's that's tough man it's life is tough i'm, I'm always, always saying that life is tough man after wherever the hell we go after life you know, when, when I'm on the water slide and they say, all right, you ready for round two? I'm going to say, nah, you go first. You know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you know, on top of the water slide. Nah, you go first, bro. I'm no, no, say, say, I already, like, I'm good. I'm already did this one. Yep. yep. <laughs> and then it's like, somebody going to push me in. I'm like, damn, bro. Why you did that? <laughs> Here we go. Consciousness again. <laughs> but life, oh, life is tough, man. Life is, life it is, is. tough. You got to do, do what you, you got to do. What do you think um, like when you when you kind of was in a depression, right? Um, when did you officially get like diagnosed with it, and how long do you think you had it before that official diagnosis? I got diagnosed in May of two thousand nineteen, mm-hmm. 
and I was diagnosed with uh, severe depressive disorder mm-hmm. with anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think that I had had it for oh, a long time. I remember being like a young teenager. I remember being like 14, 15 years old. And I had moments at home when mm-hmm. I felt like I had a crowd of people standing around me, just oh, like shit. directly in front of me and to my side. So like I couldn't move. And I remember feeling like I just needed to get away. I just mm-hmm. needed to, I just needed to be by myself. I needed to be in my room. I needed to be alone. And I think that that was the beginning of what I look back on now as probably some sort of anxiety. The yeah. depression, I think, the depression, I think, came later. It came after I moved out. And I think that going back to something I was saying before, realizing that a lot of the behavior patterns I was raised to think of as normal were not compatible and were actually making my marriage and my relationship a lot more difficult than it needed to be. Yeah. And the idea that, you know, nobody wants to become their parents, right? And the idea that maybe it's inevitable. Maybe I'm just going to, maybe I'm just going to be that guy one day. That really, um, that really depressed me because I didn't like the idea that I was resigning myself to already knowing what's going to happen. I Uh, know this is coming down the road. You know, like I said, I need a new adventure every day, you know? uh Um, uh So it really got me down. And that was, that was the type of thought that would control my life for like a good year, two years before I was officially diagnosed where like, Mm -hmm. I just felt like a failure. I felt like everything I did was wrong. Nothing I did was enough. Nothing I did was going to get me anywhere further than where I am right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and then I got diagnosed and it made sense. And for about a month, I, um, they put me on antidepressants and I didn't really like it. Like I, I, I definitely felt the difference, but uh-huh. it didn't feel genuine. I didn't feel genuinely happier. I felt like I was just taking something that was shutting me up. Uh-huh. And if I don't take the pill, the thoughts are still there. The feelings are still there. Um, but the pandemic came in and lockdown came in and I started to lean into the things that I enjoyed. I started taking time for myself. I started taking, you know, I was the designated grocery shopper during lockdown. Uh-huh. And so I would go to the supermarket and when I get in the car at the house to go to the supermarket, I take five minutes to myself. I used to listen to jazz. I still do. I got nice. I got really into I got heavy into jazz music. So I would uh-huh. listen to I would listen to some jazz for like five minutes and then get going. And then I get to the supermarket, I stay parked for five minutes, I listen to another song. I would just nice. prioritize my time in that way and like take moments for myself and you know, adding those up. I felt happier. I felt like I was doing things that I enjoyed. And, you know, that feeling led to the feeling that I could maybe start a podcast. I can write. I can, you know, do all these creative things. And I just, I dug myself out of that shit. I'm very, very proud of myself. I'll be honest (laughs) with you. I don't, I don't do a lot of bragging about myself on here, but that's been the biggest victory I have achieved over the last year or so is just, I remember that meeting and she said, listen, I'm going to let you go. It sounds like you have everything under control. I don't think you need to see me anymore. Yeah, and I had never had that experience, and so um, damn, yeah. But that's what it was like going through it. I mean, it was it was hard. There were days where I, you know, everybody talks about those days when you know you can't even get out of bed, and that's exactly oh. what it's like. You just you cannot move. Yeah, 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 yeah. One hundred percent. Like, you know, I think, and, and that's once again to anybody that's listening, it's 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 depression is real, and all that stuff is real. And I asked you that question just to see how, because I know it takes a long time to get help right and oh um, yeah it took me years it took me years 
Exactly. And, and that's one of the common symptoms that a lot of those symptoms is crazy because you don't even know that that's what it is because, you know, and, and the world's shifting towards being much better with the awareness of mental health. But you don't know that the reason why you feel tired all day is because you're depressed as fuck, right? And like, and sometimes it takes a lot to admit that to, to, the, to thyself and to then go ahead and seek the help. So yep. it's powerful yep. that you did that. It, it's it's I, I wouldn't wish it on anybody i wouldn't wish depression on anybody no. and i think you know it, I, I think it runs in the family but mm-hmm. uh, i'm just I'm, I'm happy to have broken that cycle mm-hmm. you know? yeah yeah and now i'm happy for you it's funny like, when you talk about like the relationship part though like uh you know relationships are funny because you know one person is going through something like the other one like by nature has to go through it too so it's good that that also kind of helped the relationship continue to grow and and that you were able to recognize that um, it wasn't these external things. It was kind of just like thyself there. Oh yeah, because that's what's fucked up about it too. Is that sometimes it'll make you feel like it's the people you're with. Yeah. It'll, it'll make you feel like it's the people around you that are like making you feel that way. But then you take yeah, a second irritable. and you, mm-hmm. yeah, you take a second and you look inside yourself and you realize, oh shit, this is this is starting with me. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not that I'm any, you know, not that I'm any kind of role model for depression or anything like that. I mean, I still, I still have moments occasionally, but definitely, yeah. like the difference now when I have a moment of, you know, feeling like a failure or whatever, it feels more natural, and mm-hmm. it feels like I can pull myself out of that at any time. Like I know at the end of the day, my life is happier now than it's been in so long. Like I still mm-hmm. know that deep down. You know, yeah. whereas previously that thought was like nowhere to be found. It was all shit. It was all downhill. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, I mean, yeah, of course, like that's natural, right? We're all human. Like you need to have, we all have some bad emotions to experience a good emotion, right? Like what's a good emotion of bad emotions that ever existed. So like, but I'm happy that you're yeah. able to, I'm happy you're able to, to kind of find that distinction out. So I, I appreciate it. And I, Christian, I'm happy I talked with you today, man. This is an unbelievable experience. <laughs> no, I'm happy to talk to you too. Definitely yeah, man, fun. this is incredible. Um, and I'm only wrapping this up because I just realized it's 2 o'clock. I got to go get my wife from work. Oh, good. <laughs> I got I to gotta go pick her up. She's done don't, in like 15 minutes. Don't do anything that makes Kat anxious. That, so, she can't feel rusher and there yes, you go. Yes, that, that, that's the model right there. Yes, so sir. you got to, you know, tell her that you're going to wrap this thing up. christian thank you so much man this was a really incredible conversation i'm glad we're not strangers anymore i'm 100 happy about that too so hope you have a great rest of your day and it's great chatting with you man hey hey, you too and good luck with your test this year you're gonna kill it and uh let's stay in touch all right we'll stay in touch take care all right i'll tune in for the next episode i appreciate it man thank you very much all right right, sir bye-bye Stranger Than Christian is edited, hosted, and produced by me, Christian Carrion, from my studio in beautiful downtown Lancaster City, Pennsylvania. New episodes are released every Saturday morning on all major streaming services and at StrangerThanChristian.com. For more information, email me at StrangerThanChristian at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at StrangerThanC. Until next week, thank you for tuning in to Stranger Than Christian. Good night. Hi, I'm Christian Carrion, inviting you to play the daily game of lucky letters and clever clues. It's Pundle. What the wife said to her husband when he bought the same cereal again. Honey, not Cheerios. Each day, guess the answer to the hidden phrase. Things can get a bit punny. Bring your rolling pin just in case.
you might need it. I write all the puzzles and every morsel of hate I receive about my puns increases my power tenfold. Join the fun and play Pundle, a daily word game with some real groaners. Check it out at packdudegames.com slash pundle. That's undle with a P in front of it. <laughs>